Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, We are in recording this in the fifth week of Lent. Father, Holy Week is near upon us. Yay! Yes. Um, And we're not going to talk about that at all this week. We're going to talk about something else entirely, but Holy Week is almost upon us. Uh, Before we get into today's today's topic, if you've listened to this show before, you know that we we always appreciate any listener feedback, any ideas that you have for uh, topics for future episodes of Ignition, any questions you have about things that we've said in this or previous episodes, feel free to email them to me, Chris. Uh, My email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.com. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And also, you can hear all past issues of Ignition online. Uh, you can go to the Dasison website, sfcatholic.org, and under the media section, you will find those. Or if you are a uh, somebody who subscribes to podcasts, uh, for instance, through the iTunes store, you can find us uh, online there as well. Um Without further ado, then, Father, let's get into today's topic. Let's go. Let's go. So, uh, Pope Francis has been our Supreme Pontiff for just a bit over a year, and one of the things that, uh, one of the themes of his of his pontificate has been the need for us to to take care of of the poor. And Father and I have talked in, in, in episodes past about uh, about that a bit, particularly focusing on the, the need to be attentive to spiritual poverty as well as material poverty. But certainly he's really caught the attention of, of both people within the church, but also around the world uh, with his emphasis on the importance of, of caring for the poor. Uh, we even saw here in our country recently, a number of bishops led by Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston um, said mass at the Mexican border. As, as a rem- to, to remind us that uh, these are human beings and the whole immigration issue and so on and and the church's perspective on that uh, beginning with the dignity in every each and every, each and every human person many people I think rightly saw that as part of the impact of of Pope Francis and his emphasis on being mindful of the dignity of everyone including those who are in need in various ways um, but Father, I think sometimes, uh, and this gets to the point of today's episode, we have to be when when we, we have we all have I think particularly, but not a, not, not only, but particularly uh, young people, uh, high school age, college age, young adults, we have this desire to serve those in need, to reach out to those in need. Um, but we have to, I think, be careful, so to speak, about how we go about that to make sure that we're really serving the good of those who are in need rather than just merely uh, salving our own our own consciences. Yeah, you had a great quote from Pope Francis uh, when we were getting ready, which just kind of expresses it very well. What was it? <laughs> uh, it was your quote. <laughs> That's I don't remember of what you quote. speak. <laughs> it was my quote from Pope Francis. Um, Can you refresh my memory of what I said? <laughs> well, basically him quoting what you... I thought you just kind of paraphrased his quote just there about salving our own conscience as opposed to actually meeting the needs of those who... Oh, I think that was mine. That was my quote. That was me, not Pope. Well, I thought you, you called it Pope Francis. Oh, sorry. Bait and switch. I call bait and switch. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said it, it was really good, huh? 
Exactly. And if Pope Francis didn't say it, he thought it. <laughs> there we go. We know it goes through his head. We do. Um, yeah, but and you can think about this way, kind of like um, maybe an analogy for it would be gift giving. Yeah. You know, like how often do you give the gift, but it's the gift that you'd want. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the gift that they need. Yeah. Yes. I've done that before. Yeah. That's another topic. There's uh, one of my favorite Simpsons episodes uh, where uh, Homer buys his wife a bowling ball, but she does not bowl, but he does. And he actually engraves the bowling ball, Homer. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So I think you're right, though. Sometimes we can inadvertently, I don't think we're obviously that on the nose about it, but inadvertently we can go about trying to meet real needs, but in such a way where uh, we, we end up helping, in a sense, ourselves, making ourselves feel better, rather than really meeting the needs of those who who have the need. Right. So um, th- there's, a, uh, I don't know, an initiative. I don't know if it's of an organization necessarily, but um, an initiative at least that... that they have bo- their own Twitter account. They, ooh, there we go. There we go. Uh, so bo- that both Father and I independently became aware of in, in the last six months or so called Poverty Cure. And this is a, an organization, I guess, that that is is really trying to address this from a, uh, from, from a explicitly from a, a Christian perspective. Um, and, and many of the people involved are, are Catholic, um, including... A, a Catholic priest, but but they're appealing broadly to the Christian understanding of the human person and trying to apply Christian principles to the the, the problem of poverty, uh, but in a way that really helps people. So, Father, for me, and there's a DVD set, uh, multi, multiple uh, DVDs, no, multiple DVD series. multiple DVDs yes, in it? that thing, yes, one of those. Um, and, and Father, I was really struck, especially when I watched the first episode, they give some examples. I think the, the one that sticks out in my head um, is is um, this this instance? I think there's a church in this in the U.S. that adopted uh, a, a city. I think in Rwanda. I think after this is after the genocide, country trying to rebuild itself, um, and, and and they 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 start to provide for the needs. Now, in, meanwhile, in this city in Rwanda, there's a uh, a man who had started um, raising chickens and and would mm-hmm. sell the eggs, and 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 meanwhile, the, the, this church sort of tries to take care of the needs of the city and there's well there's a need for eggs so they they provide eggs and all these other things and so on and so forth well what ends up happening is this this man who's who's both making a living but also providing for the needs of of the people in his community um he can't compete with free so right. he's forced out of business and then after a year or so the church well you know we're done here let's move on to somewhere else we've helped these people let's help somebody else they and 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 what's left behind. I mean, yeah, they helped for a time, but they, I think some, what they ended up doing was enabling uh, rather than truly helping in, in the sense of long-term assistance that would allow these people to get back on their feet. Right. And I'm mean, not so much enabling, but just, um, uh, I mean, I don't know if I use the word enable, just I don't know what, what they enable to, what bad thing they enabled to happen. Yeah, that's true. You're right. But, uh, but more just of misguided Kindness, because it was it was a temporary thing, a flash in the pan, uh, and it actually had the unintended side effect of uh, causing this man to uh, you know to lose his market for eggs, 
which meant that he had to sell off his overhead. So he'd invested in laying chickens. He'd invested in chicken coops. He'd invested in uh, maybe some employees and sorting and things like that. Well, now he can't afford to have those because it's just been uh, the market's been overrun. And so he's just selling off his chickens to try and make a living And when those chickens used to produce his living. Right. And then they leave. And now, now where do the eggs come from? Right. And- and now no one has eggs, and he doesn't have a livelihood. Right, and so that's 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 a that real life example is paradigmatic for the problem here that that we in our in our excess in in the great wealth that we have, desiring to help those in need, give them things, uh, but, but but that in the long term is 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 not necessarily best, and that's not saying I think sometimes father somebody might be maybe suspicious. Well, that you're just you're just making excuse for not giving um and it's not there are certainly times when direct assistance is a good and right thing to do and a necessary thing to disasters emergencies exactly but if we're talking about really trying to to lift people out of poverty um really it's not and i think the words uh, on on the 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 back cover of of the poverty cure dvd set something like you know rather than trying to alleviate poverty can we help create prosperity um, and, and try to, so 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 enable these uh, these people to to create the environment, help them create the environment, the culture, the society that will allow them to prosper and to thrive, even when we've gone away with our wealth and so on. Correct, and uh, uh, we, you know we we talked about this example uh, before we uh, started recording. But uh, that of, you know, post-World War II Europe or Japan, uh, where those uh, countries and, and regions were decimated by the fighting and the violence, right? Right. 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 And when the aid came in, they didn't just simply, you know, try to feed mouths. Uh, one of the main things that they did is they sought to build up those countries so that those countries could exist and live and work and go on their own uh, even afterwards. And, and, you know, today, some uh, 70 years after the end of uh, the Second World War, you know, Germany is not an impoverished country. Right. Japan is not an impoverished country. No. Even though they lost almost all their infrastructure in that in those great violent wars, right? So, so we just as we rebuilt or helped helped them rebuild their society in the aftermath of of the, that violence and war and destruction. Uh, that's the same mentality we should bring. And Father, as I said to you again before we were talking, to me at least, when I think about that, I reflect on what's the difference. It, it's a bit uh, convicting, I think, for us oh, because, yeah. because I think that in many ways we do look at and wrongly we look at well they're different well yeah the europeans can do it because they're european but the africans well they need our help i mean a very you know prejudicial view almost towards oh yeah I mean, and, and, and in fact i think you're the one who said it deny in, in effect denying their their dignity as human beings right i mean it's almost a racist viewpoint right it is regard. yeah yeah, we can, but you can't. Right. We did it before, but you can't learn how to do it now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and that's <laughs> yeah, that's problematic from a Christian perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think maybe part of the difference, and you know, and this is another aspect of it. What maybe is missing? What is missing? In fact, we're told by by people in various countries, and this is not just in Africa. This is South America. You know, wherever wherever poverty and destitution is is widespread, in many of those places, there are a, a few sort of structural or cultural things that are absent, uh, and two that I, I I remember most recently from from the Poverty Cure DVD. And we, you and I had talked about this before we went on the air. Um, the, the absence of the rule of law and the absence of private property. And without those two things, it can be very difficult to, to create a culture in which people can 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 uh, achieve prosperity and alleviate poverty on their own terms, in their own way. Right. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand, I think, because we take those things for granted. Right. You know, we take rule of law, we take uh, private property for granted. I was actually talking about this uh, with some of my parishioners in my rural parish of White, uh, you know, and, and that. But here it's, it's so taken for granted with farmers. You know, how does a farmer acquire capital for uh, new means of production, for new seed technology, uh, for new GPS technology? Right. By, you know, uh, selling or uh, taking a loan with, with his land as collateral. Right. Right. But if you don't actually own, so right. if you're, uh, and, and, you know, what is you know, practically 70% of the world uh, in the third world, especially as farmers? Yep. Right. Uh, and subsistence farming in that sense, but, uh, but they can't actually own their land. And so maybe the, the tribe owns the land, which means the chief owns the land, which means they can go and bribe him with the drink and they might, you know, get to farm the land that year, but they can't actually develop it. Yep. Yep. And so we don't actually consider that as part of our aid. No, you have to do that respectfully. You can't just go in and divide up tribes or something like that, as we see with the post-colonial fallout in Africa and yep, Indian right. places. Yep. That it's really where we have to help them. I mean, in many cases, I think they, they they do recognize the need, but but maybe that's where we can actually be of assistance is helping them develop the the civil and social structures that allow for rule of law, for, allow, for, allow for private property. I remember one of the the episodes of Poverty Cure that I that I watched. Uh, they went to Buenos Aires, which is where, of course, Pope Francis his last job, his last gig, uh, Cardinal Archbishop of Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and 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 there are people there talking about you know the slums in Buenos Aires, um, they realized that there's a lot of crime happening out of there. So uh, a stronger police presence was established on the borders around the slum. Right. So the crime in the slum and yes. the rest of the city. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's great for the rest of Buenos Aires, but for the people in the slum. So that's the sort of thing that, again, I think, like you said, we, t- we take the, so much of this for granted in our country and maybe not in some of our, the inner cities and in, in the larger metropolitan areas, but for much, you know, mo- the vast majority of Americans, we take things like uh, firefighters and policemen for granted. Uh, but, but those are things that, that are lacking in many parts of the world. And that's part of that. The rule of law and this, the the structure, the the societal structures that are necessary in the long term, uh, if, if we're really going to be able to to, to alleviate poverty and 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 uh, help people rise in prosperity. You know, it's interesting that when you actually start to dig into history a little bit, this may be a little off tangent or a little a bit of a tangent, but you dig into American history, uh, we found those very problems existing in a lot of places, especially for the immigrant populations in the East, in the great immigration movements of the 19th century. 
You know, and that, that's why uh, fire departments became largely an Irish operation in New York, because they didn't feel like they're getting service from the non-Irish. Right. You know? Um, and uh, uh, so we can see that kind of in our own history if we just have eyes to look for it. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, so things like the rule of law and private property, and I think part of that, uh, there's always, you know, the church in, 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 in the richness of her social teaching, uh, is, is always very clear that we can't become focused on those things as ends and of themselves. So for right. instance, uh, private property is, is a means to the larger end of what the church calls the universal destination of human goods. Um, so, so uh, the universal destination of, well, all goods really, but everything is intended for all people, but in order for for that really to work out, there needs to be private property. Uh, people like Karl Marx, for instance, tried to everything for everyone, but when you get rid of private property, you end up, uh, it, I think it's a little bit um, I don't, against what we would initially think, but but it ends up not working out very well in the end, as we see, because of fallen human nature. Right. right. Because And because of uh, fallen human uh, nature, we just can't um, we can't handle that sort of, uh, well, it's not that we can't handle it, but we just, it's, it's hard to trust it in that way, unless it's your own. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think of with, you know, profit uh, and, and, and the purpose of business. On the one hand, the church says that the the goal, the end of of everything, including economics, is, is in, in terms of, of humanity, is man himself, the human being, the human person. Uh, on the other hand, profit is a good thing. The, the, the church says that we, we have to hold both of those things. We, we can't uh, say that profit is evil because the human person is, is the end. At the same time, the fact that the human person is the end doesn't mean uh, that you can't seek profit. Right. So I think, like... Um there's an Aristotelian term here. You can think about uh, profit as an instrumental good towards the betterment of man. Exactly, right. It can be an instrument used uh, for uh, the person, him, him or herself, or for the betterment of others. Right, and that's and that's where the, the uh, where private property comes in as well. Uh, it's the the means by which we serve the good of others, beginning with with you know those, those closest to us. Right, and, and and you can't you can't be charitable unless you have something. Right, <laughs> right. You know, yep. Unless you possess, you can't give. You can't give unless you possess. Exactly. Um, and I'm not saying, well, I'm just trying to possess so I can give. I'll get to giving later. Um, that's that's horrible and that's wrong. But that there is that idea of 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 need to to possess uh, in order to give in that way. Yep. And also, too, the whole idea of being able to grow in charity yourself. What do you mean? Well, that when you give, the action of giving something to someone, it allows your heart to expand, to grow in generosity, in, in the real uh, aspects of charity, the real aspects of, of human love. Definitely. Right, right. Which allows you to then imitate divine love. Right. Right, and we re- so we receive, uh, and and then we we create ourselves, and then we in turn give that to others, which does sort of mimic that the divine pouring out of self, receiving of from the other um, that that is the Trinity. 
Yeah. And that, by the way, that receiving and, and giving, um, producing, consuming reminds me of another point that you had raised uh, about the, the mentality um, that, that we have to try to combat when it comes to, you know, helping others rise out, rise out of poverty. The, the, the distinction between producer and consumer and the importance of, of, of a, focusing more attention on uh, helping them become producers. Right, to, to discover that they have the real capacity uh, to actually create themselves, create wealth, success, um, not wealth for wealth's sake, but wealth for the sake of a, of a healthy living for themselves. Right, right. And not just to receive it from us. And that really, you know, goes back to the 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 vocation of the human person. So when God created a man and woman, when God created Adam and Eve, he 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 put them in the garden to keep the garden and till it. Right. And and so Christians for centuries, reflecting that, have seen that that, that we have a, a responsibility to, to 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 take the things that God has given us, our stewardship of creation, and and build things create things and not simply consume. And of course, good stewardship is part of both proper consumption, also proper production. We are the stewards and not masters of creation, but we're called to do both those things, both those things produce and consume and not just consume. Well, I mean, we're called to, you know, I mean, we do have to consume because we're dependent upon it. Right. And teach us the humility in that regard. But we also need to to cultivate, in that sense, so that our own interior uh, abilities can grow and develop. Absolutely. So, Father, what else? We have about five, well, seven minutes or so left in this episode. Uh, what else do you think on this whole the idea of of of, of caring for others, uh, reaching out to them? Anything? Well, I know you'd gone on a mission trip uh, mm-hmm. with some students recently. Yeah, uh, actually. Um, can I do one other thing? I don't think we, uh, we we talked about property rights. I don't know if we talked maybe just a minute or two on the rule of law. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And just that difference between like the rule of law and then what, what's the opposite of the rule of law? Anarchy. Well, no, it's the rule of man. Oh. Right? Or the rule of personalities. What do you mean? Well, so if it's the rule of law, that means that the law supersedes my judgment, my decisions. I conform my judgments to the law. And if the law says that this property is owned by the title owner and I don't have the title, that means I can't do things with that property, right? Okay, yep. And that means that the person who actually owns the title uh, can defend and protect and care and cultivate and do what they need to do with that property. Okay. Right? Yep. But when you have the rule of man, then those things just aren't the – there's no stability. And so when you think about a lot of the impoverished countries, and we think about this often in terms uh, you know, uh, air quotes here of government corruption, but uh, where so someone wants to try and defend their property or you know, wants to try and expand their business, and they go in and they have to go through maybe some paperwork or something, but you know, the person they're going to, their brother has a similar business, and they don't want competition. Right. Right, and there's no rule of law that uh, this uh, poor business person can have recourse to, because everywhere they go, they find someone else who already has control. And by this rule of man, this rule of personality, there's really no hope. So, and oftentimes, the only thing well, you have to pay a bribe. All right, right. fine. So you have to <laughs> pay all extra money, maybe money that you don't have, or that you that to, to try to address this obstacle that you're facing. 
Like for an example, uh, they gave the example in this uh, video from Lima, Peru, where um, uh, in the Poverty Curse series, where you know they're talking to them, well, how easy, how easy is it to start a small business? And oh, easy, anyone can do it. You know, the government regulations are just fine. And so they set uh, two uh, young workers there to set up a, a sewing shop with two uh, sewing machines, and they put a you know a, a competent, mature lawyer to kind of oversee them. It took them 289 eight-hour days just to get the papers and approvals they needed from the government to start their business. Wow. Almost a year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, just shy of a, just shy of a, a full year. Not working weekends, just shy of a full year. Wow. So that, that's another, again, the whole idea of the, why do we talk about, why is it worth talking about these? Even We can't see these things. They're not immediate, like hunger, like ribs sticking out of uh, some malnourished children. But they, they're going to put meat on those ribs. Right. Right, because those, yeah, those two, instead of spending a year trying to get their business going, they could have been actually up and running and, and producing something so that they could take care. Hiring employees. Exactly, and, and care for their families, and their employees care for their families, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you, you had mentioned some uh, about like a uh, mission trip yeah. question, Dr. Bergwald. Yeah, well, well uh, so I'm that you know, what we've been talking about has been sort of the third world, you know, right. poverty elsewhere. Uh, do you see this playing a role, this mentality also playing a role in our country where we do have things for the most part, like the rule of law, obviously private property and so on? Do you think this, this sort of approach applying here as well? Uh, yes, because I think, you know, and when you look at uh, what we're doing as far as our welfare or even uh, our prison systems and things like that, are we actually equipping people uh, to become, uh, to use their full creative capacity? Right, right. And that's where kind of the consumer capitalism comes into play, where, um, and, and it's consumer capitalism that often supports and influences and lobbies our, our legislatures, our executives, um, you know, so are we actually creating uh, new business people, or are we just creating consumers? So what's the what's the differ or what, what what's the relevance, or why does that matter? Well, I mean, I think we talked about that a lot in terms of the third world. Um, that it just it matters to your human dignity and your human purpose, and that's what really actually allows you to get out. Otherwise, you're kind of locked into a pater- into a uh, immature paternal relationship. Right. Right. A lot of big words there, immature paternal relationship. But you, know, you think about a parent. Would a parent want to just keep feeding their child and providing an allowance and things like that for them for the entire 80 years of the child's life? Right. No. Please, no. no. I mean, a child, your success would be at 18, you know, or 24 or whatever it is, you know, they leave the home. Yep. Yep. And they begin to produce and provide for themselves. And that's what we should what we should be fostering. And Francis has been saying that too. In the Joy of the Gospel, he talks about you know we, we have to get away. Yes, we, we have to address the needs of the poor, but it's not just you know welfare in the sense of a handout. It's tr- got to be do th- doing things that truly help people uh, and allow them to participate in bettering themselves. Correct, correct, in, in, in taking their own human dignity and living out their own human dignity. And, and this goes back to, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but the, the, again, the vocation to work. John Paul II wrote a couple of encyclicals on, on the, the, the value and dignity of human work because it is our vocation. 
So, uh, but poverty cure, I think, Father, it's safe to say that you think that this is a resource that's worth people checking out. Oh, definitely. I think definitely uh, give them a shot. Uh, encourage your priest maybe to uh, buy this as a resource or buy it for your priest as a resource for your young people, especially. Uh, I think high schoolers, college students would love this as a resource. Yep, and, and looking at how, how can I truly help others. Especially so, for the high schoolers, college students who want to help others. Exactly. So, that, again, check out Poverty Cure. Uh, that will draw this episode of a close though, to a close. Uh, we've run out of time talking about ourselves. Check it out more yourself. Uh, if you have questions, email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.